We're just going to worship the Lord tonight. Oh, we worship you, Father. And we give you all the glory, all the praise. And we invite you into this place with your manifested glory. We thank you, Father, for speaking to each and every heart, giving guidance, giving direction. Oh, Lord, we thank you for ministering comfort and strength and encouragement and correction and admonishment oh we give you praise Lord that as we lift you up you lift us up and we invite your word oh that it may have free course tonight and that it may be glorified in the hearts and in the lives of each year, Lord. And so we give you praise. In Jesus' name. And you may be seated in his presence. Amen. You know, God's presence is everywhere. But when he manifests his presence, that's when you become aware of his presence. And so we thank you for that tonight, Lord. We thank you so much for your manifested presence. We're going to talk tonight about the heart of worship. Amen? And you know, I have a story, my story. And my story about 41 years ago, some of you may have heard this little story about uh, going to a church that was a spirit-filled church for one of the first times. I was raised a little Baptist girl, loved Jesus, you know, accepted him when I was very young, always had a heart for God. But my first encounter in a spirit-filled church, I remember going there, and it was very different. And I actually got there and kind of wanted to leave because I was uncomfortable. But as I sat there, there was something that got my attention. And I wanted to stay and bask. And I wanted it. Even though I didn't understand it, I wanted it. And I hungered for it. And I still do to this very day. And there was a young lady, it was a large church in Oakland, and there was a young lady who was over to uh, the left. And she was standing there and she was worshiping God. She was tall. She had very long hair, and she had her hands lifted in worship. And she had her head lifted in worship. And the Lord directed my attention to her. He wanted me to see something about her. What I saw about her is that she had a relationship with God. You know, people who have a relationship with God, they lift their heads. 
Their heads don't hang down. They don't try to hide from God. But her hands were lifted and her head was lifted and she was worshiping God with all her spirit, her soul, her body, with all her might, with all her strength. And it was such a powerful picture that God wanted me to see. And when I saw her standing there worshiping God, I said, oh, I want that. I want that kind of relationship with you. I can see that she loves you, Lord. And I want to love you like that. You know, I loved him as well as I could, but I didn't really know him in the way that I've come to know him. And when you come to know somebody and you know their goodness, when you come to know the Lord and you know of his goodness as pastor was speaking about and you know (laughs) of his love, you love him because he first loved you. Amen? It's a response to his love. You respond to it. And so, I'm telling you, that was 41 years ago. A little bit more than that, actually. But I'm telling you, today, today that's still a vivid picture in my heart. Because God branded it there. The heart of a worshiper. And to this day, I'd never met her. I don't know who she is. I can't wait to get to heaven to tell her what an example she was to me. And you know, that's your life too. You all have stories. And your life speaks. You are a living epistle, known and read of all men. People read your lives and mark it down. They may not ever say anything to you, but you can impact them. You can encourage them by the way that you walk, by the way that you live, by the way that you conduct yourself. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. And so, longing for God, longing to know Him, longing to desire to to be a worshiper of God like that. Let me just define for you a little bit about what what the heart of worship is. The heart of worship is, Or the worshiper is a heart that is totally surrendered to God. Where you abandon yourself to him. Amen. Amen. You abandon your heart. And it's not like this. It's not like you add God to your life. You know, I'm going to add God to my life today. No, that's not what it's like. It's like you bow your knees. I'm not just saying one knee. I'm saying you bow your knees. You know, people bow their knee to a king, one knee. But bowing your knees is reserved for the king of kings and lord of lords. And when you bow your knees to him and to surrender, it is so powerful. Hallelujah. Glory to your name. So you're not adding God to your life. You're submitting your life to him. 
That's the difference. And that's what began to happen to me, you see. I began to submit my life to him. And not just make him my savior, but make him the Lord of my life. And so I knew this. I knew God had a plan. I didn't know what it was, but I wanted to know what it was. And I knew that his plan was a blessed plan. And I've come to learn over the years that, you know, it's better just to say, Lord, what is your plan? Because it's already blessed. Instead of saying, Lord, this is my plan and I want you to bless it. (laughs) I mean, you can try that, but I'll tell you, save yourself some time and say, Lord, what is your plan for my life? I want to submit to it. I want to, I want you to work in my life. Amen. I want you to work in my church. I want you to work in my nation in these United States. I want you to work in the world today and I can be a part of sending prayer around the world every day and impacting the world through my faith and through my prayers. And so again, you all have a story. Amen? And your story is so powerful. Sometimes you need to share your story. You know, time uh, prohibits me from just sharing so much more. Some of you have heard part of the story and where it went from there. And it's an amazing thing that landed me right here. But you have a story and your story, you know, is your testimony. And so I want to encourage you to share it. So tonight I want want us to turn to the book of John and I want to look at a woman with no name that had a story. Let's turn to John chapter 4, and we're going to go verses 5 through 32, and we're going to read a little bit about this woman with no name. She was a woman that, she came from the city of Samaria, and Samaria was a city that um, really the Jews tried to avoid, and we'll go into that in just a minute, but let's pick it up on verse uh, 7. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, Jesus and the disciple had, they had gone to Samaria, which wasn't a place that you would normally see the Jews travel to. But they were there. And he came to her and he said, give me a drink. He saw her there. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. And the young woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Now, they actually did um, exchange commerce, and they did do business, but they didn't eat or drink with them. Verse 10, Jesus answered and said unto her, If you knew the gift of God... And who it is that says to you, give me a drink? You would have asked him and he would he would have given you. Isn't that powerful? You would have asked and he would have given. Ask for life and he'll give it to you. He would have asked. If you would have asked, he would have given to you 
living water. Well, the woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? And Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever, whosoever drinks of this water will never thirst again. But the water that I give, or I'm sorry, let me go back and read that again. But whosoever drinks of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinks of the water that I shall give will never thirst again. But the water that I give shall, shall come unto him as a fountain of water that springs up in him into eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst again, nor come here to draw. And Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus turned to her and said, You have well said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands and the one whom you now have is not your husband, in that you spoke truly. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. <laughs> Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem, that is the place where you ought to worship. And Jesus said unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the father you worship what you do not know see in samaria they worshiped idols and he was saying to her you're worshiping who you don't even know but we know that we worship for the salvation of the jews you know the jews were worshiping god but the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers everybody say this i am a true worshiper. And Jesus said this about you. He said the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such as to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. And the woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all these things. And he said to her, I who speak to you am he. And there was revelation that went forth at that moment. She knew that she knew, thou art Christ, the son of the living God. And at this point, the disciples came and they marveled and he talked that he talked with a woman Yet no one said, Where do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? And the woman left her water pots and went her way into the city and said to the men, Come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out to the city and came with him. Now, think of this picture here of what Jesus did, just did with this woman. 
He empowered her. He empowered this woman and he restored her. He reconciled her to God. Amen? She was a woman. And in that day, culturally, men were restricted from talking to women. Especially if you were a rabbi. And so here he broke all the rules. He approached her. And then, of course, again we said she was a Samaritan. And Samaritans didn't interact with the Jews. You know, there was a lot of racism. They, it was a, a situation where the Jewish people had intermarried with the Syrians. And as do, in doing that, they left their God and began to serve the Syrians' gods. The kingdom was divided. But you know, uh, Jesus didn't let that hinder him. Jesus didn't let that stop him. That wasn't Jesus' attitude. Again, she had a reputation. She had five husbands. And she was living with a man. But Jesus, with the love of God, reached out to her. That love that passes all of men's prejudice. That love that surpasses all of tradition, all the rules that man sets up, all the beliefs. And what he did that day is Jesus lifted her. He didn't pay all her debt off. He didn't give her a lotto ticket to, you know, win a million bucks. He gave her a drink of living water. And he said that when you drink this water, you'll never thirst again. Jesus bestowed upon her unconditional love. And that love included the revelation of who he was. Who was he? Thou art Christ, the son of the living God. He told her all she had ever done. And he didn't reject her for it. But instead, he showed her acceptance. He showed her the God kind of love. And don't you know that people respond to the God kind of love? Don't you know we all long to be loved and accepted unconditionally? Amen. He, um, he showed her something even more. He showed her her worth. He showed her her value. He showed her that she was significant. Now, have you ever felt insignificant? The enemy will try to rob you of your significance. But who you are in Christ. I'm telling you what. No devil can from hell can take that away from you. And this woman, she had been living in sin. She hadn't been serving God. She had been worshiping idols. But God didn't condemn her for it. He loved her in spite of it. 
And he began to draw her unto himself with a simple question, Can I have a cup of water? When's the last time you asked somebody for a cup of water? Or, hey, let's go have a cup of coffee. Amazing things happen when you get involved and you step out beyond your comfort zone. Amen? Hallelujah. Love lifted her. And her response to God and the God kind of love was a heart of worship that flowed from her spirit, her soul, her very being, every part of her. Where sincere, Holy Spirit enabled worship began to not only impact her life, but what did it say she did? She went out and she told others, Hey, you Samaritans, this is the Christ. Come. And the Bible said many, many, many Samaritans came to Jesus. And they too began to worship him. The disciples now, they, they, they're the ones that were living with Jesus. They were walking with Jesus. I mean, they were in church. They were doing what they were supposed to be doing. But let's find out what, what, they, what they said about They had no clue, really. They had no revelation of his words. Verse 31. In the meantime, his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. Remember, they had gone to get food. And he said to them, I mean, he's in the spirit, you guys. He's in the spirit. They're in the natural. And he says, I have food to eat of which you do not know. And they kind of scratched their heads. Verse 33. And they said, therefore, the disciples said one to another, Has anyone brought him anything to eat? You know, he was on the F and they were on the AM. They were on a different channel. They did not even know what was going on. And see, you can be in church. And you can sit there and you can warm that chair. But you might not recognize the Spirit of God moving if you don't open your heart. And if you don't ask him for revelation the bible says you have an unction from the holy one and you'll know all things he'll teach you he'll lead you he'll guide you amen that's a precious thing so when you come to church open your heart Open your heart before you even get here. When you're on your way, just be praying and saying, Lord, thank you for moving in our service today. Thank you for moving amongst the people. Thank you for speaking to my heart, showing me what I don't see, teaching me what I don't know, encouraging me, pointing me in the direction you want me to go. And when you come, you'll hear things. That you didn't know. You'll see things that you didn't see. And you'll learn things. Amen. That the Holy Spirit has for you. Because he'll say to you things through the ministry of the word that the pastor or those who are ministering. They're not even saying. But the Holy Ghost is speaking to you. And he gives you revelation. And you're going, aha, I see that. I know that. I get that. What was I worried about anyway? What was I so encumbered about? 
You know, when you walk with God for a while, you can just rest a little more because you just learn how to put your life in his hands and trust him to work it out. He does not need the arm of your flesh. Remember Ruth and Naomi? She had to just rest that night. She couldn't get up and try to work out the plan herself. She had to let God bring her kingsman redeemer. Amen? And was he faithful to do that? Yes, he was. And he'll do it for you. He'll provide a ram in the thicket for you. And it'll come like out of nowhere. As you just walking by faith up that mountain, just like, you know, Isaac did to offer his son as a sacrifice. There's many things that we have to walk by faith up the mountain and we don't see. We don't hear. We can't touch the answer. But as you're walking by faith up one side of the mountain, guess who's coming up the other side? That ram in the thicket. Trust in that. God's provision will be there at the place for you. Amen? And he'll do for you what you cannot do for yourself. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And so when Jesus spoke about worship with this woman at the well, it was unlike anything that she had ever heard. He told her things that were against all that she really knew. Again, the traditions, the beliefs, the racism. And they worshiped the Father. I'm telling you, she worshiped from her heart in spirit and truth. And it, he, he began to tell her these things about worship. This is what he said. It's not in a specific place. You know, it's not a certain time of day. It's not just when you attend church on Sunday mornings. Worship involves your whole life. It's not, worship isn't just what we do when, you know, our worship leaders lead us into worship. Worship is something that you do with your whole life. Amen? It's not just with vain repetition. It's not just your 100 confessions a day. It's not just, you know, praying the same prayer again and again. It's not vain repetition. It's not out of tradition. It's not out of duty. It's not out of guilt. The blood is sufficient. It's the cross plus nothing else. Amen? But he said, worshiping in spirit is what he told her. True worships will worship in spirit and in truth. What does that mean? It means that you worship from the heart. Personally. Where you have a personal dialogue with God. Amen? And you might enter his courts with thanksgiving. Where you just start saying, Lord, thank you. Thank you for doing that for me today. Thank you for lifting my heart. Thank you for helping me to see that. Thank you for delivering my loved one. Thank you for um, blessing my coworker. Thank you for healing my body. Whatever it is. So you enter his gates with thanksgiving. But then you enter his courts with what? So do you see the ascension? 
You go from, oh, a place of just thanking him to praising him. Oh, your name is to be praised. Oh, Lord Most High, you are so worthy. I praise your holy name. But then you go to another place. You go to the place of the Holy of Holies, where you just worship him. Not for what he's done. Not for what he's doing. Not for what he's going to do. But because of who he is. He's the almighty God. He's your heavenly father. He's the creator of the heavens and the earth. And he's worthy of your worship. And then you begin to walk that out in your life. What does that look like? For each of one of us, the word says, work out your own salvation. You know, it's not going to be the same as uh, my life. Your life's different than my life. You have different calls. You all have calls. You do know that, right? In your life. Many things are in your calling. Your family's in your calling. Your life's in your calling. Your worship to God's in your calling. Your, your ministry is in your calling. Amen? Whatever it is he's called you to do. But I'm telling you, mm, glory to God. Out of that, one thing you could do is you could say, Lord, help me to discover how you want me to worship you with my life. That's pretty powerful. That's a Sunday night preaching. Amen? People who are, who are a little mature in the things of God. That'll take that. They'll chew on it. They'll swallow it. And they'll let it digest and bring your, your spirit nutrients to strengthen you and lift you to surrender all. Amen? Hallelujah. So... Worshiping in spirit means that you worship personally. It means you worship transparently. So you don't hide anything from him. Because he knows anyway. He knows all about it. He knows the secret kingdoms of your heart. And true worship is when you take those places and you give it to him. And say, Lord, I can't, but you can. We all have things to work on. Amen. Some things are more serious than other things. But all things are important. Remember the onion? Peel the layer, little layers at a time. He doesn't just hack the onion in half. He takes little skin of the onion. And he, he, he helps to peel that so that it comes off to get to the core of who he's called you to be in this earth life and throughout eternity. So... Worshiping in the spirit and in truth is also worshiping with sincerity. Are you sincere about your worship? How about with integrity? It's also worshiping humbly. Because that is part of worship. Where you come down and he is exalted. Reverently. With honor from the heart. 
And Jesus told her, The Father seeks such, that kind of worship. He longs for it. So when you learn to position yourself as a true worshiper of God, something amazing happens because you were created to worship God. And in that creation, there's a place in you that only that place of worship can satisfy so that you you do not thirst. Amen? Hallelujah. We're... uh, Worship is something, again, that you do with your whole life. I want to look at Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. Speaking of our whole spirit, soul, and body. We're going to first read from the Amplified, verses 1 and 2. Then we're going to look at the message. But in the Amplified, it says, I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, and beg of you, in view of all the mercies of God, to make a decisive dedication of your bodies presenting all your members and faculties as a living sacrifice, holy, devoted, consecrated, and well-pleasing to God, which is your what? Reasonable and rational, intelligent service. It's your service to God. It's your spiritual worship. I want you to make note of that because we're going to come back and talk about that. In the message it says, So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday life. Your ordinary life. Your sleeping. Your eating. Your going to work. And walking around life. And place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you just fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what He wants from you and quickly respond to it. That takes training, doesn't it? You gotta train yourself. You gotta discipline your flesh. You gotta practice the presence of God to do that. Unlike the culture around you always dragging you down, it's a level of immaturity. God's best brings what? The best out of you and develops, develops, develops well formed maturity in you hallelujah so in worshiping God we're presenting our whole spirit soul and body amen as a living sacrifice where we come and the way that we walk it out is we we bring to him our time our talent and our treasures it's an overflow of worship to him it's something that we can do to honor him. You know, Paul, the Apostle Paul, in, in speaking about giving, he said, it's not that I desire a gift, but I desire what? Fruit that abounds to your account. Your earthly account and your heavenly account. He desires for you to have fruit in your life. That's what he was saying. 
That's what the Spirit of God was saying through you. Amen? It's not about um, the need so much, even though it impacts that. But it's about what it does in you when you give of your worship and your time and your talent and your treasures. And you walk out this life of worship with God. You see, it's an act of worship, like even your serving. I was so proud of these young ladies tonight. God bless you guys. You did a great job. And you know, anytime we step out, you know, they have beautiful voices. But this is something different and new. But they said yes. They said yes. They said yes to the Holy Spirit. They said yes to God. I'm going to stretch and I'm going to grow and I'm going to um, bless you, Lord, with the gifts that you've blessed me with. Too many people use the gifts of God for the self-indulgence, um, self-sacrifice. Uh, I mean, not sacrifice, but um, they use it for their own self-advantage. You see so many gifts of singers that started singing in the church as children. And they grew up and they decided to do something with that gift other than offer it to God. He started using it to help themselves to gain fame and fortune. And most of the time it ends in what? Tragedy. Amen? Hallelujah. But giving your gift to God is an act of worship and it brings honor to God. It is your reasonable, spiritual act of worship. Let's look real quickly at Matthew chapter 25. And we're going to look at the parable here of the talents. We're going to look at verse 14. And it says, For the kingdom of God is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to them he gave five talents, to another two talents, to another one, and to each according to their, what's that word? Ability. So see, God has given to every person giftings and talents. Some of you have a gift of hospitality where you're just so welcoming and people feel blessed in your presence. Some of you have a gift of singing where you have a voice that is anointed by God. Others maybe have a gift um, in business or a gift to be a physician or a gift to work with children. Amen? So, right here, there's something that you've got to do with them. That's what this whole passage is about. It's your reasonable act of worship. Giving back to God what he's given to you. And it says he gives to everyone according to his ability. Now that word ability actually means potential. So when you have potential, that means you have something that can be what? Developed. It means when you first step out, it won't be at the same degree of development as it will be next year. Or the year after, or five years from now, or ten years from now. Or 40 years from now. Amen. But he goes on to say that 
every person has ability. That means every person has potential. That means every person has something that they can sow into the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. When you bury your potential, you bury your increase. That's true financially, but it's true with your giftings. You bury the increase of that gift and that talent when you don't use it. Verse 16. Then he who had received five talents went and traded them and made another five. See, he increased it. And likewise, he who had two talents gained two more. But he who had the one talent, he went and he dug a hole in the ground and he hid the Lord's money. And after a time, the Lord came to the servant and he came to settle accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and he what? He brought, he's brought five more. What a glorious day. The Lord was blessed. And he said, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. There's joy when you see that your gift is multiplied. Amen? It brings joy to your heart. Verse 22. He also, who had received two talents, came and said, Lord, deliver to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more besides. That's all he's accountable for. He's only accountable for what God has called him to do. Not for what God has called somebody else to do. Amen? What he's called you to do. Then he who had received one talent came and said, Lord, I knew that you had a, you were a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathered where you have not scattered seed. Verse 25. And I was afraid. And went and hid your talent in the ground. And look, there you have your, your talents there. Because he was what? He was afraid. Sometimes you have to step past fear and say, I am going to... Whatever, fill in the blank. I'm going to develop the gift of God in me. I'm, de- I'm going to develop the talent in me. And when you're faithful to do that, I'm telling you what, you won't be doing it in your own strength because God is going to be there helping you all the way. And he's going to anoint you. And that anointing makes all the difference. But the Lord answered him, verse 26, and said, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reaped where I have not sown and gathered where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. Therefore, take the talent from him and give it to someone who has ten talents. For everyone who has will be given more. How do you get more? Give what you have. And he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be what? Taken away. So God gives to every man talents, gifts, abilities. I want you to get that. I want you to know that as you step out to stand at the back door and greet somebody with your spirit of hospitality, that God will begin to anoint you to do it. You might step out at first and might not feel a thing. But I'll tell you, as you begin to stand there and you begin to serve and you are faithful to show up, there will be an anointing that will come upon you that will help people as they enter the house of God. Amen? 
sometimes you may not even be aware that you have a talent. You know, I have a nephew that he's an amazing person. He's lived all over the world. He was an attorney for many years. He's now a federal judge. Just an amazing guy. But in his 40s, he discovered that he had a gift that he didn't even know that he had. He began to take out paint and started painting and became this amazing artist that he didn't even know that he had that gift. His whole life, he didn't know he had that gift. So there's gifts in you you may not even know that you have. Did you all know that Pastor Tom, at, there was a point where he never played the piano before? I mean, you wouldn't think of that. I mean, how long ago was that, PT? 25 years ago, okay. Uh, something like that. Well, you know, we had a need because the piano, the person playing the piano left. And there was no one to play the piano. PT's a guitar player. And he's a musician. I mean, he has music in his being. He's really a musical genius. He really is. But I'm telling you are. It's the truth. But he had not played the piano. And I remember this dialogue like it was yesterday. He had a stretch. And he had a choose to get up there before. You want to say something about that? <laughs> I remember it, PT. I remember it. And you stood there and you stretched and you began to play. And as he began to step out in faith, God came on him and helped him to develop the gift that was already there. And today, doesn't he, he's just, he's, he plays with such an anointing. It brings the presence of God because he stepped out of his comfort zone. And he allowed God to increase because of his faithfulness. Thank you, PT, for all that you do to bring the presence of God here. And when you step out, I mean, you know, you step out and you begin to do things that God is calling you to do. And you serve and you find, when you serve, you find connections with people. Isn't it powerful? Even the small groups we're having, you guys come to the small groups. It's not too late. If you can come on Wednesday nights, you, you'll just be blessed. And you'll get to know those that labor among you. And you'll have meaningful relationships. You'll have somebody to call in the midnight hours. That's what happens. You begin to serve on a team. I've told you countless stories over the years of people serving on teams together where they're in a crisis. And because of the relationship that they built serving on that team, that person is there to help pray them through. He'll do that for you. Get involved. Hallelujah. It builds community. It builds family. Serving is also a way to advance the kingdom of God. It's part of your act of worship, but it advances the kingdom of God. And that fruit, as we are talking about earlier, it has a reward. It has a reward past. I can look back at all those children that came through children's ministry when I was in there. Oh, my goodness. The seed of the righteous is blessed, and I call that seed blessed. And there are many of them here serving today. Amen, Michelle. Hallelujah. And then there's a present reward because that works something in you. Because you're, it's an act of worship. You're worshiping God and you're serving. And as you're doing that, God's doing something in you to bless you. And your joy will overflow. Amen? Then it has um, fruit for the future because you're planting. 
So guess what? You have seed in the ground and you can reap from it. Hallelujah. All those that maybe have uh, children, you planted seed into children, those of you who worked in children's ministry. Now just believe for that to come back to your family and your seed. Amen? Then it also affects your eternity. Because there is a reward in heaven. So I'm telling you, why not bring your act of worship to God and serve God in that way? Amen? Glory to God. Because you were created to worship God, there's a place in your heart that only can be touched and filled by worship. People long for it. They, they try to fill that place with relationships. They try to fill it with fame or power. They try to fill it with performance and success. You know, what the world calls success. Approval of others, money and possessions, alcohol, drugs, or addictions. But your act of worship is the only thing that's going to fill that place. Amen. Amen. You'll try to scratch that itch and it just won't get scratched. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus is our example. You know what? Jesus came down. He came down to serve. He gave us the example of washing the feet of the disciples. Their dirty feet. I mean, there were dirty roads back then. All kinds of animals in the roads. And Jesus, God himself, the Son of God, humbled himself and set the example that we're to serve one another as he served mankind. Amen? Glory to God. He says in Philippians 2, let this mind, let this attitude be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now, as we close, I want to ask you this. What does your worship look like? Does it look like a brick? where it's intense on the outside and hard. It's hard to express it from the inside. You have it on the inside. It's very intense in here, but on the outside, people can't see it. Does it look like a poster? Intense on the outside, but nothing on the inside. Empty. Does it look like a quarter? A quarter is a half dollar. That means, is it half-baked? Amen? Is it sometimes in, sometimes out? Or does it look like one of those great, big, wonderful Vows burgers? <laughs> Where it's a feast for you and a feast for God. What does your worship look like? You've got to look through the eyes of Jesus, amen, to see that. I want you just to close your eyes for just a minute. And I'm just going to read you something. And I want you to picture yourself in this setting. Picture yourself sitting on a bed in your bedroom. And the rest of the family is watching TV in another room. And your door is closed and you're all by yourself. And suddenly you look up and you see someone who looks like a man coming into your room. But he's not coming through the door. He's walking right through the wall. He is dressed in a long robe that is so white that it looks like a flash of lightnings. 
Your eyes can hardly stand the brightness. And somehow you can tell you have not been blinded by his brilliance only because he has given you the ability to look at him. He has a sash made of gold around his chest. His face is light itself. His eyes are like blazing fires and pools of love. His feet are like molten bronze, like glowing lava that pours from a volcano, shining inside and out. It is Jesus. The light and the glory from him just being in your room is so strong. The things in your room, they rush into the background. And all you can see is him. And an amazing blazing light. And all you feel is warmth and acceptance and love. And suddenly you hear a voice. A voice like thunder. Like the sound of water rushing over a huge mountain cliff. And you realize it's Jesus speaking to you. As you allow this picture that's painted on the canvas of your heart to sink in for just a moment, let me ask you these questions. How would you feel? What would you do? What would you tell him? What would you thank him for? And what one thing would he say to you? Hallelujah. Father, we come. We come before you. In the beauty of your holiness. And we ask you, Lord, to help us to discover new ways to worship you personally, intimately. Father, with all integrity, humbly, respectfully, reverently with all our heart and we ask you to show us how you want us to worship you through acts of worship through serving serving you and serving people Thank you, Father. We give you praise and we drink of living water. The living water that springs up in us a fountain. And it's not just for us. It's for those that you place in our path. In Jesus' name. And everyone that agreed said, Amen and Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah.